0: living God. Your word has the power to restore our lives, so open our hearts to the presence of your spirit and the message from your word, for you are mighty to save. Amen. Our gospel lesson is part of the Sermon on the Mount. It is in that Sermon on the Mount we find the golden rule, the Lord's Prayer. Here Jesus speaks of the meek inheriting in the earth and identifies his followers as salt of the earth. He urges people to turn the other cheek and to go the second mile. He refers to wolves wolves in sheep's clothing. talks about serving two masters, up, storing up treasures in heaven and casting pearls before swine. As presented in Matthew's gospel, the overall theme of the Sermon on the Mount is discipleship, that is, response to the call of Jesus. The sermon follows Jesus' announcement that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and explains the implications of this announcement for those who repent and follow Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes, which indicate for whom... The advent of the kingdom will be a blessing. And then it proceeds to describe the greater righteousness that is to mark the followers of Jesus. These ex- expectations are detailed with explicit contrast to traditional ethical teachings, including those that this gospel attributes to the scribes and Pharisees. The Sermon on the Mount then tends to private religious duties almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And it describes the proper attitude toward wealth and material things that characterize those who seek God's kingdom above all else. It continues with exhortations uh, commending self-critical humility and trust in God and multiple warnings regarding laxity and false prophets and (laughs) evildoers. And then it concludes with a parable likening the obedient and disobedient disciples to wise and foolish builders whose homes are built on rock or on sand. Now two weeks ago we read the Beatitudes, those things about people blessed by God, and last week we considered two images that Jesus used to describe discipleship, salt, and light. And just last week, I heard an author, Jim Wallace, point out that salt, salt is a preservative, and that there are Christian values that certainly need preserving. And that light is something that shows shows us what needs our attention by revealing what is hiding in darkness. Well, today we'll read 28 of the 106 verses in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen now for God's word for us as we read the words of Jesus as he says, You have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, Don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, You idiot. They will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. If they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponents while you are with them on the way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge and the judge will turn you over to the officer of the court and you will be thrown into prison. I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you pay the very last penny. You have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. And if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose a part of your body than that your whole body go into hell. It was said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a divorce certificate. But I say that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual unfaithfulness forces her to commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. again. You have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, Don't make a false, solemn pledge. But you should follow through on what you have pledged to the Lord. But I say to you, you must not pledge at all. You must not pledge by heaven because it is God's throne. You must not pledge by the earth because it is God's footstool. You must not pledge by jerusalem because it is the city of the great king and you must not pledge by your head because you can't turn one hair white or black let your yes mean yes and your no mean no anything more than that comes from the evil one you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but i say to you you must not oppose those Who won't hurt you? If people slap you on your right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. When they wish to haul you into court and take your shirt, let them have your coat too. When they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to those who ask, and don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor. And hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your Father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same and If you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Most of us are accustomed to thinking of Protestant Christianity in multiple denominations. Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, and so on. And we're even getting used to thinking of Presbyterians coming in several denominations. We're part of the Presbyterian Church USA, PCUSA. There's also the PCA, Presbyterian Church in America, the ECA, the ECO, the ARP, that's what my father came from. They sang, they sang psalms, not hymns, but psalms. And there are others, there's a, uh, It has a cousin who's a professor and a minister in a Presbyterian Church that didn't believe in what they call baptism. You know what that is, baptizing babies. Kind of like pediatrician, pa- Pedia baptism right? They don't believe in it. Well, somehow, we can, we're kind of used to all these different denominations, but it's customary for us to think of Judaism, especially in the Old Testament days, as just monolithic, uniformly consistent, especially back then. Now we have Orthodox and and uh, other Jewish traditions, but scholar Barbara Brown Taylor says that it really helps to remember that there was not one Judaism in Jesus' day. There was the Judaism of the Galilee, which leaned towards the prophets. There's the Judaism of Judea, which leaned toward temple. There was the Judaism of the Pharisees, who loved oral interpretation of the Torah. There was the Judaism of the Sadducees, who did not. There was the Judaism of Hillel who taught that righteous Gentiles could enter the kingdom of heaven. There was the Judaism of Shammai who taught, no, they could not. <laughs> and in that first century stew of Jewishness, Jesus was one of many, many teachers. With his own Torah, his teaching, or law, with his own little t, Torah, his teaching about the capital T, Torah. That we think of in, in the Old Testament, in the books of Moses. Now, on some point, the Torah Jesus preached was very strict. He deepened the prohibition against murder to include anger, and the one against adultery to include lust. He narrowed the ground of divorce into unchastity and basically said that remarriage after divorce is kind of equivalent to sleeping around. Well, The 28 verses we read from the Sermon on the Mount include some of the hardest directions we have from Jesus about being his followers. These six directions that start off, you have heard that it was said, but I say, they're called the six antitheses. And Miriam Webster will tell you that an antithesis is a rhetorical contrast of ideas by means of parallel arrangements of words or clauses or sentences. Well, just for example, action, not words. But Jesus is doing a lot more than rhetorically contrasting ideas in the fifth chapter of Matthew. He's expanding, deepening, enriching commandments that his hearers already know and pretty much followed or tried to. Jesus is calling them and calling us to a closer relationship with God and with God's children. Now some of these commands, opposing anger and adultery and divorce and elsewhere, retaliation and hating enemies, some of them, some of them need a little more context for us to understand. Just for example, in the 41st verse where it says, "When they force you to go one mile, go with them too." That wasn't a matter of Jewish law. That had to do with Roman law. Remember, Israel was an occupied country occupied by the mighty Roman army if a roman centurion got tired of carrying his gear he could tell you towed it for a mile and you had to do it and you didn't want to know about the. you had to do it or else and you didn't want to know the details on the or else and well what about that 31st verse what it says about divorce whoever divorces his wife must give her a certificate but i say to you that Whoever divorces his wife except for unfaithfulness forces her to commit adultery. At that time, a man could ditch his wife for any reason at all. Burn my supper? You done. <laughs> you bought Hunt's ketchup when you know I like Heinz, not Hunt's? You're burnt. The husband watches that old, there was an old W.C. Fields movie where he's taking a shower and he sings that he'd rather have two girls of twenty-one than one of forty-two. <laughs> he could tell his wife, "You burnt." <laughs> the point is that society, in that society, women were treated as chattel, as property, as objects. But here, just as what he said about committing virtual adultery by looking lustfully at another person, Jesus was saying that we are to treat other people with care and respect and that we are to avoid ever treating other people as objects, as things. Now I said earlier that these six but I say sayings include some of the hardest directions we have from Jesus about how we are to be his followers. And you know what I think may be the two hardest? One's about anger at enemies. Well first consider anger. You've heard that it was said knife for eye, tooth for tooth. But I say to you you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. People slap you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. If there's a four-lane highway to violence and viciousness, it's paved with anger and self-righteousness. We are most likely to get mad and feel entitled to act out our anger when someone has offended or hurt us or hurt someone we love. When Paul III was playing in the church's uh, middle school basketball league, I once made the mistake of pointing out something to a man who was screaming at every call by the referee that wasn't for his team. Plus he offered a lot of unsportsmanlike loud commentary on on these children's playing skills. Now what I said was, have you noticed that none of the adults here are hollering at the officials or the players. He whipped around and told me to go to a very hot place that most of us are trying to avoid. <laughs> well, after the game, he kind of excused his rudeness by saying, well, you know, he of the game. You know. The funny thing was, this man had no child. I asked him, which one's your Oh, he didn't have any children. <laughs> he was there just pulling for his church. And the sad thing is, the place where he told me to go to hell was in a church gym. We were at church. Not his church, though. And I confess, that made me feel, and it still does a little bit, a little more than self-righteously offended. Well, I got to feel that way just about half a day, but the next morning, we opened up the cup, co- The News Observer in the cover story is about how that guy's church had provided overwhelming support for a whole neighborhood of families whose houses had burned in a horrible fire. They lost everything and this church provided food and clothes and houses. They came to their rescue in a mighty way. Well, I don't know whether that Philip told me where to go. I don't know whether he was part of that, but he was part of the church that did that. So I, I couldn't be too righteous about all of that. The other very hard saying Jesus had was had to do with revenge. You have heard that it was said you must love your neighbor and, not, and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who rest so that you will be acting as a child of your Father in heaven. A lot of people have a hard time doing that. There's a fine Presbyterian woman active in the Presbyterian women's projects who had a meme on Facebook. Last night, said, Hold my," the T-shirt said, Hold my halo, I'm about to <laughs> do unto someone as they have done unto me. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you heard about this year's National Prayer Breakfast. They've had about 68 of those. don't know whether they're going to have another There's a fellow named Arthur Brooks who spoke, was the main speaker, and he spoke on the themes of, came from his 2019 book that borrows its title from the very words of Jesus, Love Ye Enemies. But then the next speaker got up, and before his speech started off saying, well, Arthur, I don't know if I agree with you on all that. I I don't know if Arthur's gonna like what I have to say. And that second speaker, well, he derided one man's faith. And then he called a woman who said she prayed for him a liar. Hmm. Well, thinking of all of these two sets of three, these six antitheses, what ties them together? You have heard, but I say. What connects them? What connects them is Jesus' intense relentless challenging concern about how we treat other people friends in christ god has forgiven us our sins in response to this gift of god's amazing grace you and i we're called to live with gratitude and follow after the lord jesus christ who calls us to love god with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and our neighbors as ourselves, because this is, this is the way of Jesus in whom we find life. Thanks be to God. Love the Lord, choose the good, and hold fast to God so that you may flourish. Now may the wisdom of God, the love of Christ, and the peace of the Holy Spirit shine brightly in your life this day and always. Amen.